You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. Opportunity to just worship the Lord freely as God puts it on our hearts. And if you're a visitor with us this morning, we're really glad that you're here. Just make yourself at home. And uh, just listen to the voice of the Lord, because I know he wants to speak to you um, today. He's always looking for people that are hungry for him and people that are seeking him. And uh, if you have stepped outside of your comfort zone today and come to worship with an expression of the body of Christ that you don't know or may not know very well, um, I know God's going to bless that. I know that he's, uh, he's going to honor that uh, effort and uh, he's going to speak to you and minister to your heart. Um, so just to uh, kind of reiterate, uh, next Sunday is a big Sunday for us. Uh, it's going to be uh, family time. Um, everybody's welcome to come. Um, but, you know, we're talking about some things that just uh, pertain to us and what God is calling us to do and where we are and, and that. And then um, uh, next Sunday night is also a really, really important time uh, for us setting in uh, new leadership. Um, and uh, God has really blessed us when we were looking uh, to, uh, to add elders. Uh, we had a real long list uh, of people who were um, real potentials, and uh, we're just looking for the timing of the Lord and the proper way to do it, um, but there's more to come as well. So be sure and be here for uh, next Sunday morning and next Sunday evening. All right, and uh, City Fest, uh, as Lewis mentioned in his prayer, uh, how many how many of you guys were there last night? It's pretty awesome, right? I mean, it's just pretty awesome. There's a lot of work that's gone into that, and that's one part of it. Uh, but just to sense the presence of the Lord in the midst of His people, and the way that God is reaching out to our city, um, it's uh, it's pretty mind blowing. So tonight's another night. Um, so the uh, family fun zone starts at four. Uh, and then the uh, music and stuff starts at about 6, and uh, they'll be preaching, and there'll be opportunities to minister. If you want to be uh, like a uh, festival friend, um, you can sign up to do that when you get there. Go to First Baptist, their annex uh, on the, uh, as you're looking at the front of First Baptist on the left-hand side there. They can give you information. They'll give you some, uh, a little bit of training uh, for being able to lead somebody um, through um, the, uh, a commitment to the Lord. And uh, I know there were several of us there last night that got to pray for people uh, that raised their hands, and uh, it's, uh, it's just an incredible opportunity, so I um, encourage you to go. All right, so the kids can go to children's ministry. Over the last couple of months, we've been uh, talking about uh, the New Covenant, uh, and this was sort of prompted through my own personal time uh, with the Lord, uh, reading through the Old Testament. And uh, it uh, was such a contrast, because in the Old Testament, you could tell that God was just on the edge of his seat. He had something in mind that was coming, and the Old Covenant was good, 
uh, and it, was, uh, it displayed so much about God and it demonstrated so much about God uh, and about us. Um, but he always intended to follow up with the main event. And the main event um, is the new covenant. And so we've been talking about that, the sort of the contrast of the old and the new in some ways, but they're not, they're not against each other. They are complementary of each other. The old covenant was designed to be a preparation for the new covenant. So anybody that ever tells you that, oh, that's, you know, that's the Old Testament, it doesn't matter anymore, they don't know what they're talking about because the Old Testament is rich with revelation. Um, but that revelation is always looking forward to Jesus Christ and the, and the fulfillment of it in Jesus Christ and his church. So it's looking forward to Jesus Christ, but it's also looking forward to the body of Christ and the promises of God that are fulfilled um, in us, uh, in the world. And as I was uh, at City Fest last night, surrounded by people, some of them very interested, some of them not very engaged, uh, some of them uh, just enjoying a good meal and a good night out, uh, some of them just riveted by um, the potential that was there and, and the Word of God that was coming forth and the worship that was um, coming forth. Uh, I was just reminded about how much I love East Texas. Um, you know, I'm born and raised here in Tyler, and that's fairly unusual. Most, most people that I meet um, have moved here, uh, and that's awesome too. But um, born and raised here in, in uh, Tyler, and I'm kind of proud to say that. It's, it's, it's one of those things that I'm, um, there's, a, there's, there's something about this area um, that I think is really beautiful. There's a, lots about it that are, you know, really uh, frustrating. But um, there's just something about this area. And I worked in the oil business for uh, nine years, and I want to I start by just talking a little bit about that as a kind of um, an illustration of the, um, the investment that God has made uh, in East Texas. Because we were, last night when we were in uh, City Fest. You know, there's 400 churches, more than 400 churches who are participating in this. And that's a lot, man. I mean, you know, that's, there's not very many areas of the country that you could have a community our size and have 400 churches saying yes to participating in anything together. Um, and East Texas has a rich, rich Christian heritage. Um, when I was in the oil business, uh, I learned uh, a little bit about, um, I guess I ought to use my overhead. Is it working? Huh? Anybody know my password? <laughs> it won't open? The, the, uh, the Dropbox won't open? Oh, Office won't open. Bosco? I don't know. I'm not going to tell all of y'all what my password is. <laughs> it's not very inventive, I can tell you that. It's been reused over and over again, so. I don't, I don't remember it, seriously. <laughs> the only way I ever get my password right is to try a bunch of options until I get there. Or I use my, pa my uh, password uh, uh, um, app that I use. We'll just go without it today. I'm real tempted, but we'll just go without it today. So the opening slide is a picture of 
the Daisy Bradford number three. Da- Does anybody know what the Daisy Bradford number three is? Anybody? So the Daisy Bradford number three is the original well for the East Texas field, the East Texas oil field. The East Texas oil field is about 45 miles uh, long and about five miles wide. Um, the communities of Overton, Kilgore used to have the largest number of oil derricks in a city uh, in the world. Uh, and if, you ever, if you'd have lived back then and dro- drove through, you would have been amazed at how many derricks there were in the city of Kilgore. Um, that was the first well that came in. It's called the Daisy Bradford Number 3 because there were two Daisy Bradfords before it, and they were what we call dry holes. And when you say a dry hole to an oil man, it almost makes him hurt a little bit because it's expensive, uh, it's frustrating, uh, and a lot of times it's, uh, it's make or break. Um, but anyway, they brought in the well, and this was, ni- this was uh, October the 3rd, uh, I think, of uh, 1930. Um, so next year is going to be, uh, what's that, 90 years uh, since the Daisy Bradford came in. Uh, and it transformed East Texas. Uh, when, when the rest of the country went through the Depression, East Texas was not immune to it, but did not suffer nearly as much. But what I want to point out to you about that and about the heritage that we have, the, the um, spiritual Christian heritage that we have in East Texas, is that that field is still producing. And it, ha- it produced, um, let me see if I've got it in my notes, 5.2 billion barrels of oil, and it's still producing. But the, here's the good news. It's not just producing oil, but it's also producing gas and it's also producing distillates because this is the way that it works in the oil business is that you find a good deposit and you begin to produce that deposit and eventually that one runs out, runs dry. East Texas oil field is a little bit different than most places because it's so vast and so huge, but it will eventually run dry. But here's, here's the good news is, is that you can drill again almost in the exact same spot and go deeper. And then you find something else down there that's just as rich and just as productive. And then if that begins to go out, you can drill a deeper still. And this is so true of our area that we have such a deposit, such a, a Christian heritage in this area. If you're thinking like I think, You're thinking of the exceptions to the rule. And I think that's maybe the problem that we have with the body of Christ and with Christian community is that we see it in the natural instead of seeing it in the spirit. Because Jesus says that the church is his bride. And he says the church is beautiful. And if you see it any other way, then you're not seeing from his perspective. You need to get with the program. Get with the program. Yeah. The beauty of the phenomenon is that it continues to, generation after generation after generation, it continues to produce. There's an oil of anointing that is flowing in East Texas that is unique and it's beautiful and it's God-breathed. This is what the truth of God is like to me. When I first became a Christian, I learned sort of the lay of the land in the Bible And I'm not just talking about the lay of the land as far as the way that God sees things, but the way that he sees me. That was one of the big revelations when I first became a believer is to find myself in the word of God. 
to find that he had an idea about me, that I didn't have to go discover who I was. I just had to listen to him tell me who I was. And his idea of who I was was so much better than my idea of who I was. And I bought into it, hook, line, and sinker. I, I just immersed myself in that. I was always amazed when I first came to the Lord how people could just quote scriptures, you know? They just like, they knew what it said. They could just like, um, you know, uh, from memory. They didn't even have to be looking at the word and they could quote scriptures. And not just quoting scriptures, but they were talking about this is what applies to my life. This is what I'm building my life on. I was always amazed at that. And it was a very short time that I became like that myself because I was with people that were like that. I, was, I caught it from them. I caught the, the, the wonder of it and the, the, um, the power of it. And I wanted that for my life. I learned the basic stories and I learned the basic um, uh, principles that were in the Word. But one of the things that surprised me more than anything else is that I became a part of the body of Christ. Because I always thought I had an idea. I always thought that I... You, okay. Just pray. <laughs> I always thought that I had an idea of my relationship with Jesus, and I always thought it was pretty good. You know, it, was, it wasn't until I actually made Him Lord of my life that I realized that there was a lot of things in my life that were not pleasing to Him at all. And that He was not just loving me but he was putting up with a lot you know and as i became a believer and i began to to walk in the revelation that that he had of the things that pleased him and the things that didn't please him one of the things that i discovered that really surprised me is the church i never would have thought that i would have been a part of and not just being a part of but enjoyed that it would become my life my brothers and sisters. I was raised in a really strong Catholic family, um, and Catholics most of the time believe in really strong family relationships. And that was one of the defining qualities of my life until I came here. And when I came here, I found a family that was a family indeed that worshiped the Lord. Not that it superseded or took the place of my earthly family, it just became true family to me. And that was based on what TCF was at that time and, and what they modeled at that time. But it was also based on what I saw that Jesus' intention for the body of Christ was and what he said that we were. And I was part of a people... You know, like I've, I've told this so many times before, I came in and I sat like right in the second row on the aisle seat right there. I didn't know that we were supposed to sit in the back of the church when we came. I, I mean, you know... And, and I came and I sat there and somebody immediately greeted me and they immediately treated me like I belonged. I didn't know anything. I had some crazy ideas. And they didn't care. They were just excited that I was here and excited that, I was, that J Jesus had a hook in me and he was, he was reeling me in. He, was taking, he, had, he had caught me. And then I saw um, one of the elders um, the next day at a, at a, uh, a local car wash and we're waiting for our cars to get washed, and we had a conversation. He, I was reading, um, no, he was reading uh, the screw tape letters, and, uh, and we just began to talk about the screw tape letters, and I found myself in conversation with an older guy who I had nothing in common with and found that I'd really connected with this person, and it was a miracle because it was Jesus. 
And he was building his body and he was teaching me, even then, what the body of Christ was. One of the revelations, and there are many revelations, that's just one... That's just one of the revelations, is understanding who the body of Christ is, who the church is, who this is, and what it means to me. Because I believe that Jesus wants to be, here's the Daisy Bradford, I'll show you this. There you go. Shortly after it blew its top. So one of the places that you can go in the, in the Bible, uh, in, the, in the Word, um, to take a deep dive into Jesus' intention and mind, uh, his heart of um, the, uh, what the body of Christ is, what the church is, uh, is in John chapter 17. And I find myself coming to this series of scriptures often. I mean, you guys know that. Like whenever we have communion, a lot of times it's, it comes my my reference comes from from that place but there's so much there that you can't exhaust it and i keep drilling down deeper and i keep drilling down deeper um, and this morning i just want to talk a little bit about that because when we talk about new covenant community we're talking about oh. okay well it's going through it so here we go <laughs> We're talking about New Covenant community, and in uh, John chapter 17, that's what um, the place that we call the high priestly prayer is, and also that's where God's, um, uh, uh, Jesus' revelation of who they were going to be, because he was about to be crucified, which is a horrible way to die. I mean, I've seen some people pass away, I've seen some people die, I've never seen anything quite so horrible as what the disciples were going to witness and this was their rabbi this was their teacher this was god with us they knew that and yet he was going to be and so the way that he prepared them for that experience was to talk about what was about to happen so that they would know that it wasn't something that was just happening to him but he fully understood it and he fully had hope in going through it um and in john chapter 17 he prays this as a high priestly prayer he says that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, but that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I've said this several times about City Fest. I think the most powerful impact that we can have on East Texas is seeing the church one. I think that there are members of our community that don't believe it could ever happen. They see the body of Christ as fractured. They see the body of Christ as, uh, as competitive. They see the body of Christ as single-minded on what they're doing and not interested in what other people are doing. They see the body of Christ going through their own particular motions in their own particular ways and not really addressing the issues and the needs of our community sometimes. And that we do have needs in our community. And I think that is the greatest witness that we can possibly make i love the music and i love the worship and it's a powerful thing to be in downtown tyler with thousands of people worshiping the lord and responding to the word and the word being preached that is powerful but i think the most powerful thing is the body of christ becoming one finding something that we can do together without fighting without 
disagreeing with each other, without looking down on one another, without saying, I've got the answer, you need to get it from me. But pointing to Jesus in a real spirit of humility, and not false humility, but true humility, that we are dependent upon Him. And if this is ever going to happen, it's going to happen from Him, not from us. Um, Here's what Jesus prayed. He said that they all may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, if you've read that scripture before, it, it may be easy for you to just kind of read it through like you know it, but do you hear what he's saying there? The thing that got him in trouble is calling God Father and now he's inviting us into that relationship. That was audacity for him to call God Father. And the the Pharisees were exactly right. They said, you're equating yourself with God. You're saying that you're equal with God. And that's exactly what he was saying. They weren't wrong. They were offended by that. How can a man equate himself with God? Not because that man has aspired to be God, but because God has aspired to be a man. Blew their minds. And now when he's talking about the church, he's talking about us in the same context. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we're gods. But I'm saying that if there's anything on the earth that is God-like, it's us. Godly, it's us. And that he's inviting us straight into that relationship. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Bride of Christ. I know, I've read it so many times before and every time I do, it blows my mind that at this point, as he was preparing himself to die, he had such a clear vision of why he was dying, why, what it was all about. And what it was all about is you individually, but us corporately becoming one with the Father, like he is one with the Father. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. How will the world believe that, Je- that Jesus Christ really came in the flesh? It's not the history books, and it's not all of the arguments that we make saying that you know it, it could have happened or it might have happened. It's the proof that they see in Jesus Christ in me and in us. That's the, that is the proof. That is how the world comes to believe. That's what turns the whole thing upside down, is when they realize it's not just a bunch of people doing stuff, but in the midst of it. There is a spirit in the midst of it that is in charge of the whole thing, that is making the whole thing work, listen, together. Taking the individual pieces and putting them together into something that people could never have done. Never, we could never have made any kind of pact or any kind of peace you know, deal or anything like that to make it work. The only way that it makes it work is the Holy Spirit in me agreeing with the Holy Spirit in you and us being able to work together, to live together, to love together, to make the whole thing work. Are you with me? It's not, this is not wishful thinking. This is, this is God's idea. It's one of the biggest ideas he's ever had. When the Bible says his ways are not our ways, this is one of those things. It's not our ways. We would never have thought to do this. I mean, if we were going to build the kingdom of God on earth, we would start with God's. 
We wouldn't start with us. I guarantee you that. Even the best of us. And yet that's how he says, they will know that I am in your midst because I'm building my kingdom with human beings under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes on, he says, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one even as we are one. Why is he giving us glory? He's given us glory so that we can demonstrate the kingdom of God. But one, what we need the grace of God for the most is unity. Right here in the house. Right here in our families to begin with. But even more so between expressions of the body of Christ and congregations. You feel strongly about what you believe. You should. Other people do too, and they don't agree with everything that you agree with. Where do we draw the line and say, that? Well, I can't work with that? You know where I draw the line? I say this, Lord, thou knowest. Remember what um, uh, uh, God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel answered the only way that you should ever answer God when he asks you a question like that. And that is, God, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to make some brash statement, oh yeah, it'll work. Or I'm not going to say, no, it won't work. I say, I don't know. I don't know. How does he make us work together? The things that we believe so strongly in. I think one of the most important things is to know the Spirit and to hear the Spirit and to follow the Spirit. Is to love Jesus Christ and let Him be the center of our relationship. And not, our, not necessarily our beliefs or our doctrines. Okay? I'm not saying that those aren't important. I'm just saying that those things can be very good for us and they can also be one of the things that leads to divisions and misunderstandings and assumptions that we make about each other. In the, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. There was something that Kevin Palau said last night. He, he talked about um, two things, our, our past and our present. And he said tonight he's going to talk about our future. And I'll tell you what, man, that whets my appetite. I want to hear what he has to say about our future. Because people that are constantly focused on the present are confused a lot of times. Because the present doesn't always make sense. You have to have the, the future in place. Even now. You have to know where we're going in order to understand where we are. And where we're going is where Jesus said, I want them to be with me. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. And Jesus went to the cross. He, did, he said these things before they came about. In fact, he said, I have more to say to you that you can't bear right now. It would only confuse you. After he went to the cross and after he rose from the dead, he was with them for 40 days. And what was he doing with them for 40 days? He was talking to them about the kingdom of God. 
He, was, he spent 40 days. All of the other things that he had taught before, all of those things led up to this. But then he was talking to him about the kingdom of God. And what was the effect that it had upon them? What was the, what was the distinctive of that group of people? Let's say 120. It might have been more than that because after he, appear, after he rose from the dead, he appeared to, I think, a, a group of a 500 or something like that at one time. This is in the book of Acts. But let's just say it was 120 and he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, you go wait in Jerusalem until you're filled with the Holy Spirit, until the Holy Spirit has fully come. And they went to Jerusalem. And what did they do? What was the distinctive about them in Jerusalem while they waited for the day of Pentecost to come? They prayed together in one accord. A miracle. They prayed together in one accord. And that's before they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They had received the Holy Spirit, not fully. They hadn't had the full experience that God, that, that Jesus had for them that was going to send them to the uttermost parts of the earth. But they had received that Spirit. And what was the effect of that Spirit? Is that they gathered together. We're a bit, more than 120 here today, but this is a good example of it. You guys are beautiful. You guys are beautiful because you're the handiwork of God. Look around you for a second, would you? Just look around. I know that's awkward. Some of the most beautiful people I've ever known in my life, some of them are in this room right now. And I'm not talking about necessarily physically beautiful and i'm not talking about people who are you know like big influence in our community we do have that but it's because of jesus christ in you and each one of us is a vessel of honor each one of us is dearly loved of god what's the greatest distinctive of your life it's the fact that you're the object of his affection to the point that he would die for you My, it's mind-blowing it's it's beyond our ability to even comprehend Every one of us, individuals in our own right, every one of us distinctive, every one of us skillfully made by God, our personalities, our, our, our experiences as well. It's not just what I am by DNA, but it's also what I've been through in my life that I believe is the hand of God. Even the things that I, I would never have chosen, I believe is the hand of God. Why? So he's crafting me so that he can fit me into the body of Christ so that I can be a witness to the presence of Christ in the midst of his people. All right. Uh, Tim Keller's book, uh, Loving the City, I recommend it to you. It's a great, great book. He goes back and just kind of talks about cities and, and how some, in some ways cities are kind of um, looked down upon, like they're, you know, cesspools or concentrations of, you know, evil and stuff like that. And some, to some degree, that's true. But he goes back and he talks about cities and how God uses cities and how he wants his church to be involved in the city. And he talks about, he talks about four things here. I'm sorry, three things. That we, um, that we are supposed to demonstrate or exhibit in our city. The first is to develop appreciative attitudes toward the city. To see the city not in our natural ways, but to see it in the terms of the potential of Christ in the city. And that's one of the beautiful things about um, CityFest 
and cities serve is that it's not just a, a crusade like an old-time crusade. If you wanted to do an old-time crusade, we would have filled up Rose Stadium. Is, is it Rose Stadium? Trinity Rose Stadium? Christus Trinity Rose Stadium. But we would have filled up the stadium. We would have had a whole bunch of people come in. We would have set up, and then they would have had the altar call, and people would have come down and, and all of that, which is fine. There was, a, there was a generation that responded powerfully to that. But not today. People don't respond to that in the same way that they once did. That was cutting edge at that time, but it was not necessarily a model that God said this is the way it's always going to be. What we're seeing today is churches coming together and identifying what are the needs in our community and how can the church serve those. I saw an interview with a guy uh, several years ago. I actually showed it to the deacons and elders in one of our meetings. And uh, in the interview, he's an he's a African-American leader, and uh, the guy that was interviewed him said, should the church be uh, an answer to racial reconciliation uh, in our country? And he said, yes, I believe that it should be, but I don't believe that we have been. I don't believe that we have been. And I'm not saying that we've got anything figured out yet, but I know that we're taking steps in the right direction as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I do believe that there are answers to this. I do believe that this is not a, a problem that can't be solved or that it's only going to be solved by governments and courts. They have their place. But they can't love. And they can't redeem. And they can't transform a character or a nature. And they can't bring forgiveness and reconciliation. That's the venue of the church. That's our strong point. And it's not just that, but it's also human trafficking. People living in Tyler may have no idea the, um, the problem that we have with human trafficking in, in Tyler and in East Texas. But there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. That's one of the dangers about being in this bubble is because you could look around all day and never see it. But you get just outside of here. You, get just, you go to the mall. You go to um, 69 North. We're 69 in the loop uh, cross. And you're right in the middle of the hotbed of human trafficking. Law enforcement will tell you that. I, I love being innocent. We can't afford to be innocent. We have to be wise as serpents. That's what I love about it is that the city serve is the church addressing the needs in our community. One of the things that we identified um, as the, the needs in our community is fostering and adoption. And the, the, be the beauty, I keep saying that word, I'm sorry if I'm overusing it, but it is really nice and lovely, uh, is that God has already prompted us a long time ago. And it wasn't like some kind of thing that the elders sat down and said, we want to be more involved in this. It's the rank and file people in our church that began to look at the need in our community and say, I want to be a part of the answer to that. I want to foster or I want to adopt. When I first got saved, it was, it was very rare that people in our congregation adopted. And most of the time they adopted because they couldn't have kids. And that's not the driving force of adoption anymore, is it? <laughs> it's not a problem of having kids, right? It's a problem of drawing the line on your family saying, my wife and husband and, and my two kids and no more. It's having an open heart. 
And God has already begun to do that in our congregation. We are a great example of God's compassion. But it's also in our community, and that's one of the things that we identified um, in our community that we want to address. Let me say one more thing about that, okay, and then I'll move on. Most of these are things that we've identified, um, uh, homelessness, um, human trafficking, um, foster and adopt, racial reconciliation. I'm trying to remember what the other one was. It was five. Um, anyway, the things that we've identified, we have also partnered with nonprofits who are already doing this and partnered with groups that are already doing this. In other words, um, Walls to Bridges is a, a racial reconciliation group that I've been a part of for three years now, three years. Um, and Walls to Bridges was integral in our uh, city fest, I mean city serve, and now it's going to be an ongoing effort. So it's not just the Palau organization, it's not just, it's not over tonight, okay? The, the, the fuse has been lit, and there's a lot still to come in all of those areas. So develop appreciative attitudes um, toward your community. What does Tyler need? What areas of brokenness do we see in Tyler? I love this city. It's got a dark underside. I, I love the, 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 where we live here. And in so many ways, how many places in the, United, in the world that you can go and like you're grocery shopping and you're hearing, you know, Somebody's singing a worship song. That's not normal, guys. That's not. That's that huge deposit that's a part of our region that we get to benefit from over and over and over and over again. But make no mistake, that doesn't mean that all our problems are, have been solved. That just means that God has given us grace to be able to address some of these things. We should be bold and we should be courageous and we should take advantage of the things that God has already implanted in our community. The second is become a dynamic counterculture where we live. The Christian walk um, has been described as a race, but it's not an individual race. That's, what tra that's, that's the difference between um, track as a sport and like team sports, is that you do have a team, but everybody's got to do their individual stuff, right? Nobody's going to run the 100-meter dash for you. You have to run the 100-meter dash. But let me tell you something. It makes a big difference if you're a part of a team that's a winning team. It instills something in you. If you're a part of a team that's a victorious team, if, you're, if you gather together with guys and somebody's pole vaulting and somebody's shot putting and you're not doing any of those things, but every one of them has a winning heart, has an, a desire for excellence, that's, they're working at what they do to become good at. And that's what we need in the church. It's an individual sport, but it's a team sport as well. That every one of us is spurring one another on to good works. Every one of us is setting a standard for excellence in our relationship with God and in our lifestyle and in the things that we do and our ability to reach across to people that are different than us. Listen, the ability to welcome people different than us into this community, regardless of their background, regardless of where they've come from or how they've failed in the past, that we have enough sincere love to receive them like I was received and like many of you were received here as well. 
We just got back from a bike tour, and one of the things that bicyclists do is that we ride in a pace line. And if you see people doing that, sometimes maybe you just think, you know, that it's cool to be lined up together or something like that. It's, it's way more than that. The fir- first person in line, like, uh, like um, when the geese fly in formation, the first person in line is taking the full brunt of the wind. He's overcoming um, uh, inertia. He is, he is riding into the wind, and it's as if he's doing 20 miles an hour. It's as if a 20-mile-an-hour headwind is blowing into him. But the guy's right on his wheel. It's reduced by about, 80, about, about 20%. So he's riding into 20-mile-an-hour. The guy behind him is riding into less, and the guy behind that is riding into less, and the guy behind that is riding into less. That's what it's like to be a part of the body of Christ is that we're moving together and we're making space for one another to make it a little bit easier. I could use some people for examples, but I'm afraid I overuse them for examples. But I have been friends with and brothers with men and women who have charted a course throughout their lives. They laid a foundation of Jesus Christ and and Jesus Christ's word, and they have lived their lives consistently, and it makes it just a little bit easier for me to be able to walk that walk. Not because I'm afraid of disappointing somebody, but because I see in flesh and blood example that it works. It works, and it's good, and we need that. We need that. We need to be able to ride on one another's wheels. And good leadership is like, like a tailwind. It's like it makes it a little bit easier to do that. And then finally, become a community radically committed to the good of the city as a whole. You've heard it said, actually, um, it's really interesting when you Google stuff, because I, I heard it said, I thought it was Edmund Burke, uh, and I think that's because John F. Kennedy, when he quoted this, he credited it to Edmund Burke, but apparently that's not the person that first said it. But uh, somebody said, uh, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And that is so true. If we stop being active, things fall apart. If we stop being vocal, if we stop taking those steps as the Holy Spirit gives us the, the, um, uh, the promptings to do that, we, things begin to fall apart. What is happening in Tyler over the past year and a half is unprecedented. It has never happened before. Churches have cooperated. Big churches have cooperated with little churches. Sometimes big churches have cooperated with other big churches to get stuff done. On the scale and the, and the, uh, and the number of things that has happened and the coming together of the body of Christ, it's unprecedented. You guys... We're living in magic times. <laughs> We're living in times that I know that God has dreamed of and I know that people have prayed for. I know that I have prayed for through the years. I never envisioned anything like this. I'm not saying having a big thing down on the square is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the church identifying how we can become a part of this community and actually becoming a part of that. And you guys doing that. You guys doing that. All of us doing that. And making, making a big difference not just making things look more Christian, but making things right. Making things right. We have 400 churches. Unity is powerful. Division is powerful. But unity is powerful. 
it in itself is a gift. It's a blessing that we're seeing. Okay, so let me close with this. 1 Corinthians, I don't think this made my slides. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 26 through 31, and I'm, I'm going to read it and then we'll, we'll talk about it just a little bit. And I, I love this because this is uh, one of those things that I first saw myself in when I read the Bible. Because I thought I knew what was in the Bible. I thought it was like a book of riddles and it was like a bunch of contradictions and there's a bunch of stuff in there that I couldn't figure out. And um, I was always told that you needed a priest to tell you what it meant because you, you're not, it's not safe for you to try to figure it out yourself. And then I found out that the Holy Spirit teaches us. Like he's, The things that I read before that I never could understand just jumped off the page at me. And this is one of those. Early on in my walk with the Lord, when I read this, it just made me smile. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. It says, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that were not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom for God, from, from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So it is written that he who boasts, boasts in the Lord. How do we as a church our size, become influencers in Tyler? How do we make a difference in Tyler? There's some things that God wants us to start right here in this house. And there's other things that God has already started elsewhere, and He says, I want you to go and join them. I want you to take your talent and your ability and become a part of what they're doing. But make no mistake about it, none of us were born able to do this. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we're not ashamed to say not many of us were wise. Not many of us were influential. Not many of us had it all together. Not many of us were the kind of people or the kind of church where people would con consult and come to and say, you've got all the answers. Not many of us. Some of us. Not many of us. Most of us were made that way by the Spirit of God. And let me tell you something. You have a gift that is more valuable than anything you can ever imagine. It'll take your whole life to really discover how powerful that gift is. But I'll tell you what, if you will do this, if you will come tonight, and if you will stand there and wait and watch for somebody to raise their hand when they make a commitment, and if you will just take the step and say, why did you raise your hand, and help them take a step closer in to Jesus, you'll begin to get an idea of how powerful what you have is. We get used to it in this house. Get outside where there is darkness. Get outside where there is brokenness. Get out, and there's a lot of that here too as well. I'm not saying that we don't, that we have it all together. But I'm saying that we have hope and we have wisdom, we have insight, and we have the Word of God. What about the people that don't have that? It's when you get, you're, put yourself in a position, just a regular believer, just a regular Christian, 
and you put yourself in that position and you're able to pray for somebody or encourage somebody or say, lead somebody in a confession and an acceptance of Jesus Christ, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Anybody want to give their heart to the Lord this morning? I do. I want a, I want a bigger adventure, man. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 62 years old. The end is coming really quick. We've got a limited amount of time. I want to make the difference that I can. There's a grave waiting for each one of us. question is, what are we going to do with this that we've got left, with the time that we have left? And I've trusted Jesus Christ since I first met him. I don't want to quit doing that. I want to step it up. I want more. I want to ask for more. I want to, I want to, I want to dial it up a notch, not bad. Amen? Let's stand together and let's uh, bring our hearts to the Lord. If there's something you need prayer for, you come and I'll pray for you uh, or pray with you. Um, you can pray right there. You can pray. I know the Holy Spirit is prompting you. You may have, like, as I'm talking today, your mind may have wandered to something else and maybe you even felt guilty that you weren't listening to me. Listen, you're, that's the Holy Spirit. If your mind is wandering to something, that's what God is speaking to you about. Listen to that, okay? And respond to that. Not just hear it, but actually respond to that. If He's telling you something to do, do it with all your heart and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't say, I got to know how it's going to work out. You, you don't need to know how it's going to work out. You just need to know what He's speaking to you and obey with all your heart. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Do you want to lead us in a lead us in a chord? And I say yes, Lord. I say yes, Lord. I say yes. My life is yours. When you call me, I'll come running. I'll say yes. Call me, I'll come around.
you have made, the deposit that you have made, Lord, in our uh, region. Um, so many churches, so many um, expressions of, of the body of Christ, so diverse, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, that you've given us this moment, Lord, where we see um, the potential of the body of Christ coming together, of church leaders coming together, of congregations cooperating with each other and building relationships across denominational lines uh, and it's just an amazing thing to say and we say thank you for that Lord thank you for your sovereign move but we also say Lord we don't want to miss this opportunity we don't want to just be spectators we want to be participants Lord I pray that the momentum would not fall off Lord but that it would grow in our area in our region Lord Jesus that um, that you would help us Lord to address um, the issues of brokenness in our community Lord um, that you're so concerned about Open our eyes to the people that are around us, Lord Jesus. Get us out of our bubble, Lord, that we might see, Lord, where you are. Out in the harvest field, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. And I'm thinking of, uh, of uh, uh, people who were impacted by that first uh, Luis Palau um, crusade, Lord, back in the 90s. Seemed like so long ago. And the things that you set in motion then, Lord Jesus, that are, this is a product of that. This, this um, opportunity that we have today, Lord, um, was the seeds were uh, planted back then, Lord. I pray that you plant those seeds today, Lord Jesus, and that they would grow and that 20 years from now and 30 years from now, Lord, we would be able to look back on this time and see how pivotal it was and how, how um, powerful uh, the moment was. And I just pray that when we look back, we don't say we missed an opportunity, but we say we jumped on the opportunity and we took advantage of it, Lord. And finally, Lord, I pray for TCF. I pray, Lord, that you would raise our influence in this community. There's nothing limiting us. There's nothing holding us back, Lord. There's poor people. There's broken people. There's hurting people. There's people, Lord, that are asking questions. There's people that are seeking. There's people, Lord Jesus, that we're surrounded by all the time. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people that call this community home, Lord, that need what we have. And I pray for TCF, Lord, that you would make our influence in this community far bigger than our size. That it might be a reflection not of our size, but of our faith, of our compassion of our love, like you loved us, Lord. That we might be one with you, Lord. One with the Father. That we might say right along with you that we only do what the Father tells us to do, that everything that the Father tells us to do, that's what our passion is uh, to do, Lord. And we thank you for it. And I pray for a great harvest, Lord. I pray tonight for um, City Fest um, that uh, you would just uh, protect them, Lord, from any technical difficulties. Um, protect them, Lord Jesus, from any, um, uh, anything bad happening, that nothing that the enemy intends will come to any fruit. Instead, Lord, that you would have your way tonight, Lord. 
I pray for your anointing on the Word. I pray for your anointing uh, on Andrew Palau, Lord, as he comes to share the Word today. Um, tonight, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would put a fire in him, Lord Jesus, that would just connect with people um, on a level that they may have never experienced before. And I pray, Lord, that there would be a great harvest, that not a one would be lost, Lord, but every single one of those people that take that step in tonight would find their place in the body of Christ, Lord. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you and you're just and I say yes, Lord, I say yes, Lord, I say yes.